Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. Ooh, it's real nice to get back at it with you here this Monday morning. Hope you're doing really well. I'm still getting over my little accident, my spill, breaking my leg about a month ago now. I've had a little setback with uh, gout I struggle with. I struggle with gout, and I was on this diet to lose a little weight, which worked, the keto diet. It's a very high-fat, medium-protein, very extremely low-carb diet. But all that protein, all that red meat, shellfish, and other types of foods that I was eating gave me gout. And so I've had a little setback. I'm still not able to walk, which is really, for me, a bummer because I'm an active person and I want to play my golf and play my tennis and those sorts of things, play with my kids and can't do that. It's got me thinking though, in terms of a lesson about all this. And, you know, I know there's actually another general manager out there, longtime listener to this show. I'm not going to give his name away, but he's about to go into major heart surgery. And That's going to happen to a lot of you listening to this show at some point in your life. You're going to be injured. You're going to be immobilized, not able to work. And those times are going to come in your life. And you've got to have a good plan in place for those days, those weeks, those months that you're not able to walk into the office. I have stairs in my office. I have to walk upstairs. And so I've been coming to the office very, very sparsely doing most of my work from home these days because it's just tough to move around. And so it's really been great to know that I was able to put the system in place for my team. I've been able over the last few months to empower them so that they can actually make decisions. And that's really important that you've got a team and a system behind you for when this type of thing happens. So what does that look like? It means giving your employees and your staff some autonomy and some space to do their best work. It means you can't micromanage because you can't micromanage from a hospital bed or a doctor's office. So it's best to get them exercising that autonomous muscle now while you're well. I have a friend, Tyler Chef, who I'm hoping to get on this show. He's just a great guy outside the private club industry other than he's a private club member, but he does real estate and his philosophy I love and I think we could use it here in the private club industry is that when he hires somebody, he pays them a little extra, uh, a little bit more than the going rate. But what he says to those key people is, don't call me until the problem is solved. (laughs) So if one of his property managers wants to make 10%, he'll say, I'll pay you 15%, but don't call me until the problem is solved. I love that. I think that's great advice. The other philosophy of another friend of mine is he tells his staff, don't come to me unless you've got two solutions to the problem. So don't come to me with just another problem or an excuse, but until you walk in my door, pick up the phone or email me, make sure that you've come up with two solutions to those problems and then we can talk. I love both of those. So my advice to you guys is when this happens to you, I hope it doesn't happen to you, but for a lot of you, it will happen at some point for family reasons, personal reasons, health reasons, something's going to go down. You're not going to be able to be at the helm of the ship. Make sure you've got a plan. Make sure you've empowered your people. All right. Well, 
I've got a couple announcements for the industry. Don Emery over at Bay Hill asked me to reach out to our listeners and let them know about a wonderful director of food and beverage position that's at the Bay Hill Club, Arnold Palmer's Bay Hill Club and Lodge, a fantastic property that I've been working with. And Don Emery, a longtime listener and just a great guy in this industry. He's looking for the right person. So if you know that person, please get in touch with him. D Emery at bayhill.com is the way to do that. D-E-M-E-R-Y at bayhill.com. It's a fabulous opportunity for a talented food and beverage professional out there. We've got a great show for you. I'm going to have Gary Collins on for Master Club Advisors. We're going to be doing our master class. But a little special bonus to that is we've got his lovely wife, Jan Beljan, who is a golf course architect. She's about to be the president of the American Society of Golf Course Architects next year, the incoming president. We're going to find out what goals she has for her tenure as president of that organization. And you're going to learn about her groundbreaking innovation for golf courses and how it can help you and your club retain more members and much, much more. So stay tuned for Jan on that one. Without further ado, let's get into our masterclass. And now it's time for your monthly masterclass presented by Master Club Advisors. Welcome to another edition of Masterclass presented by Master Club Advisors. I'm joined today by Mr. Gary Collins. Gary, how are you today? I'm spectacular, Gabe. It's always an honor and fun to visit with you. Yeah, and I was uh, I was down at Boca West very recently. We were at the FLCMAA event and got to meet your wife, Jan Bell Jan, and uh, she's a lovely lady that we're also going to have on the show today, which I'm really, really excited about. Thank you, Gabe. I appreciate being here. Yeah, yeah. Well, what an event that was, Gary. Let's let's talk about that first before we get into everything. But um, the FLCMAA, you guys raise a ton of money. You were up on stage. Tell us what that event was like for those who couldn't attend. It's a spectacular event, and we certainly encourage everybody to uh, attend next year. And we really appreciate uh, people across the country who support my marathon golf effort. The event in total raised about $600,000, and uh, the marathon golf, which I chair, raised about $330,000. It's, uh, you know, it's been voted one of the best charity tournaments in the nation uh, several years running. It's just a spectacular event. As club managers, we're very proud of it. We're very proud of helping out the community. We're very proud of the work we do. All the money benefits children's charities. It's always in June. So uh, mark your calendars for next year. And, of course, all the people that know me know they'll be asking to, they'll be asked to make contributions to Marathon Golf. And I want you to know that I appreciate it. And you help some great kids when you do that. And thank you for your contribution. It was fun to have you and Anna there. We had a great time. Yeah, well, a spectacular event is 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 actually an understatement for anyone who who missed this one. My wife couldn't stop talking about she had never been to something quite that that large, you know, of like an event and just the amount of food and the dessert station which was about 100 items and the every single food station had different actors of different movies and it was all set up in like an Oscar's theme. It was really something to behold. Uh, I would try to find those pictures online somewhere. Uh, probably on the FLCMAA site, but if you get a chance, check that one out. I mean, what a what a what a production that was! Now, Gary, I know you've got yeah. a uh, a search going on right now for membership director, and you're kind of in the final stages of it. 
Yeah, we have a, a number of active and open searches, and I always love telling your listeners about about the searches because if uh, if they know people who are interested, they should certainly reach out and contact Norm or I. Uh, Horseshoe Bay is uh, just north of Austin, Texas, a beautiful club and resort, multiple Robert Trent Jones golf courses. This is a very, very special place, and we have a membership director search going there. I have a catering director search going for uh, Frenchman's Creek in Palm Beach Gardens. Frenchman's Creek is a uh, platinum club of America and a distinguished club of America. It has both uh, uh, 36 holes of golf and a beach club component. Another just extraordinary club and a general manager who's been there 23 years. This is truly one of the best catering director positions in the country. So if you know people interested in that catering director position or the uh, or the membership director position, you know, please have them reach out to us. Also, I'm doing two catering operation manager searches for uh, Broken Sound. Broken Sound is multiple golf courses. It was a site of a senior PGA Tour event, another distinguished club and platinum club of America. I mean, uh, we're so fortunate to get to work with such beautiful and outstanding clubs. And really excited about... Uh, we have a GMCOO search uh, for Hope Valley in Durham, North Carolina. Now, that's not official yet. The board has contacted us and uh, anticipates that they're going to sign our letter of agreement on Friday. But it looks very good, and we'll have uh, official information about that one up soon. That's uh, That's got a Donald Ross course, an historical Donald Ross course. It's one of the best, uh, one of the premier Donald Ross courses in the country. So, Anybody interested in Hope Valley should talk to me, and and that will be official by uh, next next Friday. Those sound like some dream jobs for people. So if you know anybody, if you're listening to the show and you know anyone who would be a good fit, and if that fit is you, definitely reach out to both Gary and his partner, Norm Spitzig. Uh, they are just some of the best guys in the industry, and they really they find some of the most incredible opportunities. <laughs> the catering director at Frenchman Creek sounds like a really, really good one. Um, let's talk about your HR symposium. You just had that. Can you tell us some details about what went down at the HR symposium, Gary? I love this symposium, Gabe. I can't tell you how much fun this is. The HR directors from some of the best clubs in the country are there. We had about 57 clubs represented. It was at the country club you know, of a great historical significance. Francis, we met, won the U.S. Open, the first American to win the U.S. Open. They made a movie about that, the greatest game ever played, but it was at that site. It was also the site of the Ryder Cup when Ben Crenshaw was the captain, and he had a feeling we were down desperately, and Justin Leonard makes that putt for the USA. Just touring uh, the country club was spectacular. It's an incredible facility. And, of course, we also uh, stayed at the Harvard Club of Boston two another distinguished club and uh of the world and and two great clubs uh more and more hr is going to be a it always has been but the role is even growing larger hr is a strategic partner in every club and as you know after the 2007 2008 downturn we went through a rough period but the economy has recovered and unemployment is at record lows and finding talent is not easy and the HR directors that go to this, the speakers that are there, we had a couple of lawyers talking about issues. But more than that, it's about sharing information and about, you know, how to really help the HR department fulfill its role as a strategic partner. And uh, I encourage GMs, you know, send your HR director to this meeting. It's every summer. It'll be in, it'll be in June, July, or August of 2019. We haven't said it yet, but it, it is an outstanding meeting. 
and it'll be worth every penny you spend on it. It, it was just an absolutely wonderful meeting. What were some of the key takeaways during that HR symposium? The thing that struck me the most was uh, how hard recruiting has become and how many tools the HR directors are using. I mean, we're well past Indeed. I mean, these guys have gotten so smart about where to reach out to, you know, from hospitality schools to uh, unusual sites. I mean, the things, and of course, uh, part of that was also uh, I-9s and bringing in uh, H2 and J1 visa workers. But beyond that, the tools that these HR directors now have are growing every day and they're getting smarter and better about using them. And they know specific spots to go to and to look for people. It was really enlightening to see how much they work to help us find that talent. And as a club manager, you know, many years I had that job, you don't succeed without good talent around you. And uh, the links we have to go to to find that talent today are incredible. Yeah, it's definitely a shrinking talent pool in just about every industry, but I think the hospitality industry especially is getting hit hard. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I hear that issue a lot for sure. It's glad you guys are tackling that. You've got another um, symposium coming up here in October, and I think you just moved venue. So can you give us the updated details on your Gated Club Community Symposium? Yes, it's going to be at Carlton River in Bluffton, South Carolina. This is our Gated Club Symposium. It is an incredible symposium. A good line of speakers. Uh, Ray, of course, will be talking about real estate values. One of the things we're learning with all the, and we've known a long time, is that housing values are so driven by the club operation. If the club operation is sound financially and going good, housing values hold up. When the club operation is suffering, housing values suffer. And these houses are so expensive that a 1% and 2% fluctuation in that housing price has a dramatic impact. I mean, it's worth a few dollars more to make sure that your club is in great shape so that your house will be worth the money that you want it to be worth. Uh, Golf Life Navigators will be a speaker. And also, uh, again, so much of it is just networking with other people facing the same issues that you're facing. The best uh, gated communities in the country will be present. We'll have a little R&R. We'll play a little golf before and after. So uh, GMs and gated club communities, you're invited. Please reach out to me or go to the club benchmarking website. Club Benchmarking is a partner with Master Club Advisors on these symposium presentations, and they do an outstanding job. But you can reach out to me, and I'll get all the registration materials uh, to you. This is one you do not want to miss. Yep, absolutely. If you do want more information, you can go to clubbenchmarking.com slash gated-symposium, gated-symposium. Put that little dash in there, and you can register there. You can get some more information and uh, join Gary and Norm and, and the club benchmarking guys over there. It's going to be a good time. One other event you have ha- happening is the ASGCA Foundation event at Pinehurst. So tell us what's happening with that, Gary. Again, incredible. Listen, education is the answer to all problems. And those people that take the time to get education, I can't praise them enough. It looks like I will be a speaker with the club benchmarking crew. We're going to talk about capital improvements and the value of your club. But Jan, as you know, is the vice president of the American Society of Golf Course Architects and is moving up next year to the president. And uh, she will be speaking on scoring tees there. So I'm going to let Jan talk a little bit about that symposium and what's going on there. At the uh, Pinehurst event, we're going to be talking about not just scoring tees, but forward tees in particular, learning how to tee it forward, why and why. And uh, this is relative to 
you know, although I developed the scoring tees back in about 2011, um, in uh, the past couple of years, the American Society of Golf Course Architects has um, put a lot of effort into what's called the Longleaf Tee System. And that tee system helps people adjust all of their tees from the very tips to the very front to help people choose the right set of markers from which to play to have the most fun. But you can't do that unless you have tees that are far enough forward so that everybody can spread out and find the set of markers that best suits their game. And that really is their club head speed, not necessarily their handicap. Gabe, you can register for that one at uh, www.ASGCA. That's the American Society of Golf Course Architects Initials. Uh, www.ASGCA.org. Another great symposium. After September 11th. That sounds like a good one. After September 3rd. Yeah, yeah. So Jan, we were we bumped into each other at at Boca West for the um, Seminole Region event. You were talking about your new project, and it happened to be a club that I started working with. We found out together that uh, we're working on the same project out at Boca Lago. So I thought that would give us a good baseline for a conversation here on your scoring tees. What makes them unique? why clubs should start incorporating them, and what you're actually doing over there at Boca Lago. Can you give us a little insight into that? Boca Lago was uh, 36 holes, now 27, and they've chosen to uh, do a complete renovation. That would be tea locations, uh, drainage and fairways, new irrigation system, uh, new greens, and um, cart paths. So the golf course was opened in 1975 and not much work has been done since. And this is a classic case where you, you find out how technology starts impacting the golf course itself because it impacts the players on that golf course. And that's the reason for doing the, all the adjustments. The putting surfaces, although they had been revamped uh, maybe 20 years ago, the accepted green speed is different now than it was 20 years ago. And most people don't understand that the contours on the putting greens make a difference in how fast greens can be mowed or should be mowed to handle um, putting. Mm -hmm. So when a a golf course putting green is too steep or has too many wild contours, the number of hole locations is limited. Um, If you want people to have a fairly flat putt, for the last two or three feet, because many of us hit our putts that short or that long, then at least to have a chance to put it in on your second and maybe, God forbid, a third uh, putt, um, you you want to have something that's relatively level as a whole location. Right. So we're adjusting all the greens and putting in contemporary. Um, there's a lot of contour, but there are a lot of whole locations too. So that's going to help spread out um, the uh, ball marks for anybody who's hitting it onto the green. And as important as anything else is how I've repositioned bunkers so that the people who are already the most challenged aren't the ones who are challenged even more by bunkers and locations that don't, that don't even affect the best players. So the golf course has become more fair for those who need it to be more fair. And I'm testing the better players even more by um, uh, different strategies in the fairways and on the greens. 
Mm, I love that. Why, why do you think that the, because in addition, you're, you're, you're changing where the T boxes are and, and, and incorporating your, your scoring T system. So can you tell us a little bit about how the scoring T's work from your perspective and why lots of clubs should start incorporating it? Well, the scoring tees um, I developed because there are many golf clubs who cannot afford to do a, an entire, to, to renovate all of the tees. Um, when I started thinking about this, I, I know that from my history that golf courses are designed from the perspective of the best player first. That means the tips. So we're starting at the very back and we're working our way forward. Most people are at clubs now that don't have a set of markers that are far enough forward for the club head speeds that are 55 miles an hour or less, male or female, young or old. So it took me a long time to come up with a name that would uh, solve the issue of gender neutral, age neutral, and and, um, skill neutral. Uh, There are many clubs uh, that have uh, golf course yardages, a set of markers at 4,000 or 4,400 yards, but they call them family tees or forward tees or fast tees or mm-hmm. um, something that is exclusionary to some group. Right. If, if I'm a 36 handicap player, male or female, and somebody said, let's play the fast tees, well, that puts a big burden on me to play fast because that, the implication is they're fast tees, so I better play fast. So when I developed scoring tees, the name, the name says that everybody can learn to score. Everybody can score better. I thought about how how uh, collegiate coaches work with their teams, male and female, and they'll have their players go to the most forward set of markers at least once a week for three reasons. And the first reason being course management. Just because you might be able to drive the green from that set of markers is that the smart play? And if it's not the smart play, then where do you position your ball so that you have the best shot into the green so that you can, you know, um, either hole out or get close enough to one putt? So there we have course management, and then that means the second one is uh, short game. You learn to develop a short game. Once you've done those two, then what's the third thing? You learn to go low. Nobody asks if you shoot 60 from what set of markers. Right. <laughs> you still have to get the ball in the hole, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and, and remember that golf has never been deemed a, a, a game of, of distance, of length. It's a game of accuracy. You're asked to put a small ball, ball into a small hole, right? So, yep. so that has nothing to do with length, although it's evolved to that. Sure. But if we want people to enjoy the, themselves and to stay in the game, and to get more people to come into the game, then it's important for all of us to have a sense of achievement. And we can achieve if we feel that, you know, and we're all playing against par. We're playing, now we play against par. Once upon a time, it was match play. But in the U.S., we've evolved to playing against par. So imagine if you're a new player, male or female, and you're on a par five that's, uh, you know, 400 and 80 yards long, how many strokes is it going to take you to get on that par five? It takes you seven or eight or nine, and you're supposed to be a par par five, and you still haven't putted. How successful do you feel you are, and do I really want to play this game? Right. However, if you position tees so that people can 
learn and have achievement and have fun and have success, then people will come back to the game or they'll stay in the game. Additionally, if you have, think about the number of folks now who play golf who might be in that uh, um, plus 65 age range. Um, we, we know that after maybe mid 40s that most people's flexibility and strength starts declining. And with that goes club head speed. And if you remember, it was probably in about 2011 that the PGA of America and the USGA started their Tee It Forward campaign. Yep. And this was one of the reasons is because there were so many people, they just couldn't, they just weren't having any fun anymore. They weren't scoring, although their skills are better. They're not scoring because the club head speed was less. So as I thought about the, uh, the, the you know, the, the men, oh, it's easy enough for the men who comprise 80% of the, of the golfing population for them to go forward because they could go to where the, the, the tees for where most women play. But the women said, where's ours? Right. Where, mm-hmm. Where's ours? Mm-hmm. So somebody said, oh, well, we just put some markers up there in the front of the fairway. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you, Gabe, if somebody said, Gabe, just go up to the front of the fairway. That's, that's good enough. Would you accept that? No. And, 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 and so that's why I developed formal set of tees that are 4,000 to 4,400 yards long, depending on on the, the topography and the location to help the people who have those slower club head speeds get on in regulation to have a, to use a club that's similar to what somebody who has a faster club head speed has, but um, they just don't have that distance themselves. So in having done this, uh, now at uh, half a dozen golf courses and um, all 27 holes at the at Boca Lago, Boca Lago Country Club will have scoring tees. It's going to make it possible for all the members, the slower club head speed members, to have more opportunities to be on in regulation, which means more opportunities for pars. And guess what? Maybe even birdies. Yeah, and that's more smiles on people's faces. <laughs> that's well, that's right, and, it's, and more smiles and more, you know, when you and, and smiles mean fun, which right. means you're going to do it again. Mm-hmm. Those of it, anything we have fun at, we do again, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, um, what's Gabe, the process for clubs who are looking to to actually bring this your scoring tees into their course? What do they have to do to do that? Is it a big undertaking? Well, it's it's not that. Big, although there is a lot of thought process and probably the most important thing is to master plan for them. Um, and this, and, and it's having proportionate um, yardages to, to all the, to say the middle set of markers from which most of the men play. It's something that's proportionate and that way you get the similar club. So you plan for it first. Mm-hmm. And it's looking for the alignment of play. What is the actual target line going to be for the players who would commonly use those markers and take into account the other hazards, meaning bunkers and water, as well as the, the slopes, the, the angles play. And it's also thinking about what the size of the tee should be because I recommend the scoring tees for all skill levels then I also recommend that those tees be as large as, um, well, they should be proportionate to the other set of uh, tees on the golf course because if you're at some 
course in the northeast where the tees are traditionally smaller, then if you put something in oversized, then it looks um, disproportionate and out of character with what the golf course had been. So once you understand what the yardage could be, then it's going out on the golf course and, and finding the locations that work with the line of play. And as important as anything, this is a retrofit. You know, the scoring tees are a retrofit. They're, help, they're adding a set of tees for people without redoing all of their tees. Yeah. So when you're going to retrofit, then uh, where does this work in some other master plan? If you're going to be redoing bunkers or redoing greens, then let's harvest this, the, the soil from those locations and use that soil to add scoring tees and put the scoring tees in locations where there's already some elevation so that you don't have to haul in as much material, whether it's um, harvested on site or if you have to purchase it, mm-hmm. then understand that uh, the scoring tees are the, the most um, effective way to have them implemented in a short amount of time is to then saw the tees and the slopes. If you don't do that, then you're going to be watering excessively the areas where those scoring tees may be. So, um, you know, all in all, if you have a 25 by 25 teeing surface, that's probably that's a good radius. You're going to be triplex mowing the tees. Right. So that's that's a cost efficiency. And if you're going to raise the the tee at least one foot above grade then you're probably adding about 50 cubic yards of soil. And again, that could be harvested and brought in. And you have to account for the slopes because you're not going to put a squash marshmallow out there, right? And you're not going to ask somebody to step up onto a vertical. And and you need to have it so it's mowable around the tee itself. It's amazing everything that goes into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot that goes into it. You know, there's a lot more that goes into it than people imagine. Yeah. And, and probably most critically is to have the tees look as though they've always been there once the job is completed. People should not be able to detect that they were add-ons. It's, oh, well, we, uh, they should be blended in with the existing contours. Yep. Mm-hmm. Gabe, you know, uh, Jan does this so beautifully. And those of us who love to play golf, love to talk about strategy. And uh, scoring tees are so designed to be strategically placed to teach golf course management. But as a club operator, not a golf course architect, I'm a club manager. I'm going to talk to you about the money. Right. The, the ROI on this thing, I think, is absolutely incredible. If you're already in the middle of a renovation, you can add these for practically nothing. If you have to do it separately, it's still a relatively small cost. But we have real-world stories. Real Pelican's Nest, when they put these things in there, Chris, the, the golf pro, uh, was very supportive and came up with concepts. With Jan's help, Jan gave him a lot of the concepts. These were there was five iron Friday and play it forward Tuesday and uh, I mean it, it was a, it was oh, an incredible that. concept. But here's what started happening: older members who had been thinking about giving up their membership and were not playing started playing again. Mm-hmm. Guys that were hanging out in the card room who used to play three days a week and were now only playing one started playing three and four days a week again. Wow. People started having fun. I yeah. mean, when you keep those dues coming in, as you and I both know, you're that membership consultant. It's the dues, dues, dues business. Oh, yeah. It's just as important to keep the existing members as to recruit new ones. By the way, it helps with recruiting new ones. Mm-hmm. If you live in a gated community, often you have people moving in who have never played golf before. And it's a, it's a, it's a difficult experience to start with. If they can have some fun with scoring tees in the beginning, you wind up recruiting more of those members. And I cannot emphasize enough that the 
it was uh, amazing that they got all the single-digit handicappers playing these tees. They started a skins game. They started having fun with it. They would play their 18-hole round and then go back out and play another uh, another round on the uh, on the scoring tees. It just became fun. It became the it almost became the heartbeat of the golf course. It was incredible. And you talk about actionable items. You and I are always talking about in these interviews and in the educational sessions we do. We're trying to create actionable items that can help people improve their clubs. This is an inexpensive way to add an entire new golf course. You can add an entire new golf course at very little money, and you can add a new golf course that is fun and exciting to play, and all kinds of great things happen out there. The spinoff of this was incredible. Cart revenues went up dramatically. F&B revenues went up dramatically. People were there playing golf. They, they, they hang around for a drink and, and lunch or a, a after golf hors d'oeuvres. It was uh, the the success is incredible. I love it as a, especially as a membership retention tool for those senior members, the the ones that age out of these Florida clubs, especially in you know places like the the desert and whatnot. And I think this would be really incredible. Now you say it's it's very inexpensive. I mean, what are we talking approximately? It could be as little as one thousand, or maybe as much as twenty five hundred dollars per tee, depending on the location of the tea itself. And if you're doing work in-house, if you already, or if you're importing all the material, when you have uh, greater topography changes, then you probably need more material. And that's when you get on the high side. So the cost of cost of dirt might be $12 a cubic yard. And then if you're going to saw the tea, you're probably talking 50, 50 cents or 55 cents a square foot on the, on the sod. So that's where your costs go it's in-house labor then that's in-house labor but if you get a golf course contractor what you end up with is somebody who can get the job done more quickly and uh you could have the tees implemented in in a in short order one course where i worked and they added scoring tees because we were already doing bunkers and regrassing fairways was it was an eleven thousand dollar number it was the cost of one person's dues for the year and so if even if you're spending you know, at 18 times uh, 2,000, 18 times 3,000, that's $48,000. But what is that relative to a membership or numbers of dues? And that's a one-time cost. Now, other people think about, they say, well, it's going to cost me more money to have somebody mow the tea out, and uh, it's going to take them more time. But that's um, a very small amount of time because in many cases, you can have the fairway cut further forward and not have to mow that. So there's a bit of a balance. It might mm-hmm. take a little bit more time, but relatively speaking, it's inconsequential. Yeah, that's, that sounds like incredible value to be able to do that. I, I, my, you got my mind racing here on, on all the different, you know, we've talked about it before, Gary, on the show, but now I'm really putting it all together. And I think a lot of the listeners are too, in terms of what really can come from doing this. It's not just about making it easier for people to play, but it's about encouraging even new activities and getting those those members to stick around longer and keep coming back more and more and more. And I love it. Um, Jan, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk to you a little bit before before I let you go about the American Society of Golf Course Architects. You're going to be president next year. Will you be the first woman president of the ASGCA? No, Alice Dye preceded me she, 21 years ago. Alice Dye, uh, the, the wife of Pete Dye, was the um, first woman American Society of Golf Course Architects president. She was also the first woman member. I'm the second one. So 
Wow. Uh, but you know, she's 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 quite an act to follow. It, it's it's uh, you're really one of only three female architects out there, if I understand. Uh, if I have understood well, that's that correctly, right. uh, three, three, three women in the American Society of Golf Course Architects. There, um, so the Alice Dye and um, her niece Cynthia Dye McGarry and yours truly are the three women who are the members of the female members of the ASGCA. It's fascinating. What 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 is it like being in you know one of the few females in in such a male dominated industry? Um, it's. For me, it's not unusual, but I grew up as, um, as um, it, you know, working with men. My father and my five uncles were all club professionals, and my dad designed and supervised the construction of the golf course where I grew up. Uh, in our family, uh, there were no chores that were exclusive to boys or to girls. Everybody did everything. So it's, it's not unusual for me. Um, I feel as though I have been accepted by everybody or well let's say most everybody i don't know who every you can never define everybody right sure, yeah. but 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 it's because you know i look at things in terms i my my goal has always been to be a professional to be understanding and aware enough of of issues and answers and solutions and problems so that um i could be part of this industry. And once you're deemed a professional, then people don't look at gender. They just, they just see that you're competent and capable and they want to work with you. Jen, what are some of your goals here for your presidency for the upcoming year with the ASGCA? What would you like to accomplish? Oh, I, I think among, among the things would be uh, helping people see even more the value of, uh, of another set of T's, a more forward set of T's. And as important as that is to talk about people with disabilities, including people with disabilities in the conversation about in golf. Uh, I think more and more people are aware of them. Anybody who watched uh, the Golf Channel this past year and, and the, uh, uh, actually in the past uh, what, two months and saw the competitors uh, playing at Top Golf, there were two uh, wounded warriors there. You know, people... And there are any number of people with disabilities, including stroke victims. A lot of our members at clubs are stroke victims, and they can be reintegrated into society, their own society, their own friendships, a lot more readily if we can accommodate them. So um, I'd, I'd say that that's probably um, the the first thing that comes to mind, and I haven't kind of fleshed out anything else yet. <laughs> yeah, well, I love that. I mean, I've got a lot of empathy for that right now because I broke my foot about three weeks ago as we're recording this and can't walk oh, no. and you know, it'll be a while before I can play golf. And so, um, that's something I'll definitely be keeping track of. I think that's a wonderful initiative, um, that you're going to be doing with the ASGCA. So looking forward to seeing what comes out of the presidency. Hope we get you back on here again during your presidency so we can chat about what's happening and in, in, in the direction of the organization. Gary, uh, did you have something else you wanted to add here before we wrap things up? Another piece I really wanted to cover here is, one of the things you and I have talked about, in order to grow the membership, in order to grow the dues, we have to grow the game. We have a responsibility to grow the game, to help people learn to play golf. And scoring tees can play a large role in that grow the game component. And they play a large role for families. You know, if, if children can start and have better experiences as opposed to negative experiences, it's a positive. And as a marketing guy, you and I have talked a lot about, you know, the decisions today are being made as a family, it isn't just the guy deciding where he wants to play golf. Uh, the family plays a huge role in this, and scoring tees 
plays a huge role in helping to recruit families to the club. So for kids, for dues growth, for so many things that we've already talked about, I mean, it's just, it's a policy beyond belief. I would feel remiss if I didn't get in about to grow the game and, and kids in this. And it's so important to recognize that it isn't, when we talk about this, when we talk about kids and, and growing the game, people think of it as for, for beginners, and it isn't. The best golfers, if you want to get better at golf, ask any pro what you should work on. He'll tell you over and over. Short game. And putting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <Short> game. <laughs> I dropped about two strokes this summer um, before I broke my leg uh, just on short game. Amen. If you're a single-digit player and you start playing these uh, scoring keys, your game will improve. Yep, absolutely. Jan, if folks want to find out more about you as an architect and especially about your scoring tees, how do they get in touch? They can uh, find my website at janbelljan.com. That's J-A-N-B-E-L-J-A-N.com. That's nine letters, janbelljan.com. That would be the easiest way. Or jan at janbeljan.com if they want to email me. Awesome. Easy enough. And Gary, um, just wonderful having both you and Jan on today. Obviously, people can go to your website, masterclubadvisors.com, get registered for those symposiums, learn about um, what Master Club Advisors does for this industry with your newsletter and all the things you got going on. Definitely check that one out, masterclubadvisors.com. Gary and Jan, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Gabe. It was a lot of fun talking to you as always. Thank you, Gabe. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. To learn more about Master Club Advisors, visit them on the web at masterclubadvisors.com and join us next month for another Masterclass. That's going to do it for this edition of Private Club Radio. It was great to have you, and I hope to catch you back here next week. Until then, here's to your membership success. Private Club Radio is brought to you by Concert Golf Partners helping to preserve and enhance private golf and country clubs. Concert Golf has the capital, expertise and private club hospitality experience to help upscale private clubs achieving long-term success and membership growth. For 25 years, Concert Golf has allowed private club members to focus on simply enjoying their club. Visit ConcertGolfPartners.com to learn more about the recapitalization process 